All right, we're back here at Aganis Arena with the Warriors trailing BU 4-2 at the end of two periods. Mike McMahon joins us from themacreport.com where he's live blogging the game. So if you're not listening or you're not tuned in with him right now, listen to us and uh, check in online with him. You certainly should do that, themacreport.com. You can also get there, I think, through the old URL of warriorrinkrat.com. But he's also writing for the Eagle Tribune. Uh, Merrimack beat writer Mike McMahon joins us for this second intermission. Mike, I thought that the Warriors outplayed BU for much of that second period. Uh, their inability to score more than the one goal and then giving up that late goal by uh, Gill that may end up doing them in. Yeah, you know, if you talk about momentum, that's exactly what happened. I think shots at one point in that period were, were 11-2. They, they definitely you know had momentum on their side for a seven or eight minute stretch. Uh, they really controlled the period. I thought it was some of the best hockey they've played in probably the last five or six games. Uh, and then, you know, momentum swings back the other way as soon as BU gets that goal to close out the period. Kind of unusual, I thought. The, you know, the penalty kill was so good earlier in the season. Uh, I mean, what, what's changed in the last few weeks? I thought that it looked better against Holy Cross. They gave up the three goals against St. Lawrence. Uh, certainly some good players scored those goals. But, I mean, you're going to see good players every night. And they're playing BU again here. You know, playing BU tonight with some good players. And, and their players made plays in that first period to score the goals. They got traffic. It seems as like, like however it's happening, uh, other teams are getting traffic and, and getting good scoring opportunities from right in front of Joe Canada that they weren't getting earlier in the year. Yeah, one of the things, and I, and I thought they did a better job on that last kill of the period, was they, they weren't taking away the seams. I mean, they've sort of got the strategy of we're going to pack it in and block as many shots as we can, which has worked for them. And I wouldn't change that. I mean, the, the penalty, penalty kill has been successful doing that for two seasons now. You don't, you know, erase the draw. You don't erase the whiteboard and start from scratch. But uh, they were weren't taking away seams. There was a lot of movement. I thought last weekend and, and even on those two power plays earlier in the game where BU scored, they were just moving the puck around everywhere. And, and a guy sneaks in from the point and is able to, you know, sneak one in back door. So, uh, but I thought they did a better job of that in that last penalty kill. And a big part of it too, I think that's one of the things that Elliot Sheen does really well in the penalty kill is. The guy out front that not only is blocking shots but is able to get a stick in the way and take away those seams and sort of prevent some of that puck movement. Yeah, and uh, you know, again, we saw that second period that they, I thought that they did a better job. Uh, you know, they had the puck more. I mean, I compare it to football a lot of times. Time of possession. Their time of possession in the second period was a lot better than it was in the first period. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and I think you know they had some momentum with their power play as well. And and it, not only did they get some scoring chances there, but they're able to sort of build on it and, and get things moving in the right direction. And, and I think that's what happened. And, and then. As, as well as they played, it's sort of unfortunate to see it all go away. I mean, because that's a momentum killer. You head into the locker room, down one goal, sort of buzzing around and getting some chances, or you head down, head into the third period, down two goals. There's a, a big difference when it comes to momentum and just you know psyche. And I think that big that uh, that fourth goal by B is going to end up being a big. Yeah, it's also interesting to note that Canada uh, has given up now. He's only had three games this year where he's given up more than two goals, and two of them have been in the last three games. He gave up six to St. Lawrence, and, and he's been beaten four times tonight. Uh, yeah, and you know it's it's tough to really figure out what's going on there. You know, I, I don't think it's I don't know if he's banged up or I mean I'm sure at this point in the season everybody's banged up a little bit when you've played almost half your schedule, especially the style these guys play. So uh, even the goalies, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're they're a little a little nicked up here and there at this point in the year, but uh, I, I think part of it comes down to you know team defense too and, and doing a better job getting in the way and blocking shots and, and uh, the 
penalty kill is a big part of that. I think you look at the St. Lawrence game, three of those goals are on the power play, two out of the four tonight are on the power play. So uh, as the penalty kill goes, I think the defense and, and certainly the goaltending goes as well. Yeah, and ironically, uh, I, I look at a game like this, and there are some cases where you'd say down by two on the road. we got a, we got a big road ahead of us, you know, long uh, 20 minutes to play, but... I mean, the way that this game has gone, I think, the way that it seemed to be, I mean, two goals is certainly not insurmountable with 20 minutes to play. And, and both teams have sort of scored in punches here. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's out of the question that you, you see two goals by one or both teams here in the third period. I mean, you've got six through two, and both teams have had their chances, especially down around the net. Merrimack was a lot better around the net in the second period than they were in the first. I think the only shot that came below the dots in the first period was Myers' goal. Uh, but uh, we haven't gotten a shot shot yet for the second, but I'm sure it's going to look a lot different, a lot more chances down low. If they continue to do that, they definitely have the guys up, up front, you know, from the forward standpoint, they can score. So. Well, we're talking with Mike McMahon from themacreport.com and also the Eagle Tribune. The Warriors trail 4-2 at the end of two periods. And, uh, well, we got the word, uh, interesting, that uh, Merrimack's going to play UNH, looks like, next year at the Verizon Wireless Arena uh, in Manchester. Of course, it's the site of the NCAA tournament game. The Warriors played against Notre Dame last year, lost to Notre Dame, but still uh, a pretty good game, pretty good environment as well. And I know that UNH was looking for a game after losing uh, or not being scheduled to play there next year against Dartmouth, which they usually do every year. They're going to go up to the Dartmouth tournament instead, and it looks like uh, they, they'd like to, I guess, try to recapture some of that magic that was there last year by bringing Merrimack in. And, uh, of course, it's probably, I, I think, the way, the impression I get, it's been up to, it's up to Merrimack to say, yes, we we agreed, you know, we'd like to do that, but uh, good move for Merrimack to do that? Oh, absolutely. I think they could they can book this as an event now, uh, where it's not just a, a regular game up at the wit on a random Friday or Saturday night. You know, they could build this as an event to, to sell to their alums, to sell to their fans, and, and I don't think this game happens. I don't think UNH wants this game to happen at the Verizon Center unless Merrimack had the showing they had there in the tournament last year. Not from an on-ice standpoint, I'm talking about from a from a fan standpoint and a turnout standpoint. I mean, the, the attendance was probably triple or quadruple what Lawler even holds. I mean, there were easily six or 7,000 Merrimack fans up there for the tournament last year. Same thing at the TD Garden for the Hockey East tournament. So I think when another school like UNH who has the opportunity to hold a game in a big building like that sees a, a team on the rise and a fan base that's excited and, and willing to come out and, and you know, a school like Merrimack looks at it as a as a way to, to sell it as a special event to their fans. I think it's a win-win for both sides. Now I want to talk about something that I know we talked about earlier this week. You know, you and I are constantly, we're always looking at uh, things. Of course, the pairwise is the thing that matters the most as Merrimack tries to get back to the NCAA tournament and it's where you rank in the pairwise that matters and so on. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about what kinds of things do you need to do to, to be uh, successful and, and rank where you want to, to see where, where you want to be at the end of the season. And uh, very interesting to note, just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Earlier in the week, we took a look at what happened. Uh, uh, of course, because your team's playing different schedules, non-league schedules. Merrimack goes up to that tournament. They play St. Lawrence. Middle of the pack ECAC team, they play Holy Cross, which I know Mark Denny, he said he wouldn't be surprised if they come out of that league, but at least as it stands right now, they're a little bit upper, middle of the pack uh, Atlantic hockey team. At any rate, they get a win and a tie in those two games. They move up to fifth in the pairwise. We know that a team like Union went out west and played at Denver and Colorado College, lost two games, dropped like a rock, like a brick, and I, we, we said, what's going to ha- what would happen if Merrimack 
Tech went out there and played those games. So we took those two games off the schedule, St. Lawrence and Holy Cross, the, the tie and the win, replaced them with two losses out at Denver and Colorado College, which is what happened to Union. And, and what happened? Merrimack falls from 5th to 17th in the pairwise. And that's what it goes back to. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of non-conference games when they go to when Notre Dame comes in and they lessen the conference schedule. And I'm sure you know fans are going to want to see games against North Dakota and, Mi- and Michigan and Minnesota and all these schools. And you know I- I'm always of the mindset of there's a couple of things that fall in with that. There's a, a lesser chance that you win those games, number one, because those are good teams. Um, Especially if you go on the road. Exactly, and that's the second part of it. Is, I mean, you, you, you play those teams, nine times out of ten, you're going to go on the road because those teams aren't going to be willing to come back and return a trip for you. They're going to say, you know, here's 30 grand or here's 50 grand, come out and play us twice. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, it's it's winning games matter. So if you can schedule uh, an Atlantic Hockey League team in your rink and have a better chance at winning that game, it's certainly better to beat a team like Holy Cross or to beat a team like UConn than it is to go out to North Dakota and lose. Uh, I think we, we looked at it even last year. I remember you and I uh, changing a couple of games around, taking out, I think, a couple of their non-conference games, uh, the wins last season, and replacing it with just random, you know, loss at Minnesota, loss at Michigan. And they were, uh, at that, you do just two games. They're a bubble team to make the tournament last year. I mean, it literally, it, it fell that much to, you know, a a favorite in the first round to maybe not making it. So at the end of the day, I think you want to get teams in your schedule that are willing to come to your rink if, if you're going to go on the road that are willing to come back and at the same time scheduling games that uh, ultimately you believe you can win. Or, or I mean, I'm sure they believe you believe you can win every game, but uh, schedule games where you have a better chance to win. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's the, the more games you win, I don't care who you beat, the more games you win, the better shot you have at making the NCAAs at the end of the season. Hey, hey, look, to me, it's pretty simple. There's a reason why those teams play those games, why Minnesota has sacred Hart come in. You know why North Dakota had Merrimack come in a couple years ago and, and wouldn't return the trip is because it they've proven that it, it works for them. They make the tournament, they, they're they successful and they get a good gate, they sell out those games. And so I, I say for if you're Merrimack, hey, turnabout is fair play. You're in a situation now where you're selling the rink out of every every game but one so far this season and, and a good chance to sell out most of the remaining games. You got a chance to go out west and play somebody and, and take, you know, may, I don't know, maybe they're going to give you 20 or 30 Grand, you could play a home game against somebody else and make more money than that. You're in a position where you can demand, you know, say, we don't want the money. We'd like you to come back and play us next year or the, or the year after. And have a better chance to win the game. And even with less hockey's games on the schedule, this league is always going to be good enough that you can play teams that are going to be lower, you know, lower in the RPI, win those games, and still make the NCAAs as an automatic bid, or as an as a as an at-large bid, because you're league's going to be good enough that by being a 500 or above team in your league, if you take care of business in the non-conference schedule, even if it's against Atlantic Hockey Schools or lower-level ECA schools, you're going to be right there at the end of the year in discussion for the NCAA tournament because your league's good enough, and it always will be. Yeah, I think that's the thing that a lot of people, I'm surprised, haven't figured out yet, but it's always better to win than to lose. It doesn't matter who you play against than when it comes to the pairwise. That's certainly the case. All right, Mike, we're about ready for the third period here. Warriors down by two. What needs to happen? Uh, just, I'd say you got to keep playing the way you're playing in the second. I didn't think they were playing that poorly at all in the second period. Uh, you know, a missed assignment on that fourth goal for sure. Uh, I'm sure you know they'd like to have that one back, but you know they were buzzing there in the second period and, and controlled the majority of it, and certainly had uh, 
more scoring chances than BU did, and I think if you keep working, you're going to get some power play chances because you're going to have them frustrated, and you're certainly going to get the, the chances on net just about finishing. All right, Mike, take care of your leg there. I know you're out, you're on crutches here. We appreciate you coming over to join us. We'll let you to get get back. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com and also the Eagle Tribune has been our guest. Our score at the end of two periods: the Warriors trail BU four to two.